0: Whispering in His Ear, the devotional, explores talking and listening to God's message for us. Now, read God's Voice and How to Listen, a new companion study guide to the original devotional that provides discussion questions and more insight to the scripture that reveals how God talks to us. Get the series on Amazon. Positively Joy. Are you living life but feel like something's missing? You've come to the right place. I'm Yvette Walker, your host for this podcast on finding the true meaning of God's joy. Joy is not a feeling, it's faith. And my guests and I will talk about how to avoid falling down the rabbit hole of chasing physical or emotional joy. In this season, we'll tackle spiritual growth as we discover the true joy of the Lord. Andrea Lindy is an author who has survived lupus, become a mother, and is helping other authors publish their God-given message. Before lupus grounded her, she was a pilot soaring through the heavens. She surrendered everything to God in her journey to be healed and get closer to Him. Here's Andrea for part one of a special two-part episode. Andrea, thanks so much for being on the Positively Joy
1: podcast. Thank you for having me, Beth. I'm excited to be here today. Andrea,
0: you and I have done some work together. We were on kind of an author showcase together. Uh, You are an author and a speaker. uh, And you also do some great strategizing for authors and publishing. So I have to kind of give you kudos for that. Your (laughs) tips are great on Facebook. You've written a book, Life After Lupus, and would definitely like to talk about that today and talk about how you found God and his healing. Uh, but first, I always like to start off with learning a little bit more about you and your faith walk.
1: <laughs> well, thank you for that. Um, I I am a preacher's kid. So I grew up in the church and started faith way back then. But as life happens, you know, we all... Um, I think as a as a young adult, as a teenager, we all think we're invincible and we think, um, you know, we want to go our way. And certainly that was my way. (laughs) I think it's taken a lifetime for God to wrangle that independent spirit out of me. And so he really called me back to him in a huge way as I got sick or it was just almost an overnight my body was not going to serve me any longer. And so walked a three-year journey back to health with God. Absolutely was a divine intervention in my life. You know, people talk a lot about these days interventions, and this was God's intervention in my life to get me, you know, to draw me closer back to him. So faith is my, is absolutely what I stand on now. It is, uh, I live and breathe it. And, and I'm very thankful that God has drawn me closer to him over the years.
0: We're talking about spiritual growth in this new season. And it seems like there was a lot of that happening in your life as as God was drawing you back. I mean, were you, were you the one that he left the 99 for?
1: (laughs) Um, Well, I don't know if I, I mean, yes, I would love to say, hey, he picked me out of a crowd and said, you're going my way now. Enough of your way. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. He was done with letting me, you know, scoundrel around or whatever. (laughs) Now, the the disease that you had
0: was lupus. And I think that a lot of people are really unsure what lupus is. We've all heard the word, we know it's autoimmune, but it does affect lots of people in different ways. So can you can you describe to the audience what is lupus and how did it impact you?
1: Yes, absolutely. So as you mentioned, lupus is an autoimmune disorder. What that means to me is that um with someone with lupus produces more than the normal antibodies. So in one part of blood, there's normally 40 to 80 antibodies. And someone with lupus might have, in my case, it was 640. So I had way too many antibodies. And then those antibodies can no longer determine what is the foreign invader. And it just starts attacking the person itself. And not like when you get a cold, your antibodies go up to fight the cold. And in this case, the antibodies think that the person itself is the foreign invader. And so it can fight in many different ways as you mentioned everybody has different symptoms overlying like overarching symptom would be tremendous fatigue fatigue that cannot even be explained it's like the kind of t- and the kind of tired that you are after you've moved the last box out of the house that you're moving from <laughs> to take the journey to it's like that it's but every day and no matter how much sleep you get that's the kind of fatigue and then um, where it can become fatal is if it attacks one of the major organs. For me, it was more about um, joints, fatigue, breathing, my stomach, digestion, that, those kinds of things. And it can move around. It can do lots of different things. One day you can wake up and not be able to walk, and the next day you wake up and can't eat. You know, so it's it's everybody does have their different symptoms, but a lot of them are very similar.
0: I can only imagine how frustrating that is because. As you said, sometimes it it might seem like, you know, I don't know what is happening and why is it attacking this and this? And um
1: it, I can see how you might feel hopeless sometimes. Very, absolutely. And it's a long road to even get diagnosed with lupus. So a person's been sick for quite about, you know, a good amount of time before the diagnosis actually sets in. I remember seeing a gastroenterologist who told me, what? And he used a German german man and he said we know something's coming we just don't know you know it could be MS, it could be this it could be that and it finally did uh, present itself as lupus so there's a lot of time being sick beforehand and being frustrated with not knowing what's happening and then in the in the midst of being ill and not knowing when it's going to end it's like you wake up with the flu every day like every Mm. it doesn't go away in seven to ten days it's just there day after day after day So there was a lot of hopelessness there. Absolutely. And you were flying planes. Yeah. (laughs) Tell us us about that. Before, so yeah, before I was, um, before my body just quit, I was flying planes for five years. Started uh, just uh, for fun thinking my husband and I started flying together and we bought a small airplane and, Started taking lessons and I got super serious. I mean, the first time up, I I, it was really more of we were doing this together. But the first time I went up and the flight instructor said, Take the wheel, that was it for me. I totally fell in love with this guy. It was like being disconnected from the world, you know, up in the head. It was just, it was my idea of perfection. It truly was. And so, um, I went through all my ratings, did my private commercial instrument, taught, started teaching to fly multi-engine, flew in twin engines, and just loved every bit of it and thought that was what I was, I was chasing that for five years until, mm-hmm. and working and doing all the things. And then one day my body said, you are done. <laughs> I will not serve you any longer. And that grounded me. Um, yeah.
0: Grounded you in more ways than one and it did you are so right wow wow you know you caught yourself just a minute ago it sounded like you said you're up in the heavens and you kind of caught yourself mm-hmm. um did you i mean did you feel like that that you were i did closer it, was, to it was
1: so spiritual it really was and to i i started learning my first uh trips up were in fargo north dakota and i know a lot of people you know there's not a lot up there but i mean it's it was a decent sized town, if you will, hundred thousand or whatever. But when you, when you get up and see the patchwork quilt of all the farms, like what God had created, it was just majestic. It was just, it's a, like they say, the bird's eye view. And the nice thing about small airplanes, you know, when you're really high at 30,000 feet, you can't see all those wonderful, I mean, you see some high mountains. Like I live next to Denver. And so we fly over the Rockies and that's beautiful. But there was something about seeing all the flat land and just going on for as far as you could see. I mean, just the magnificence of God is was absolutely there. I mean, it really, really was. Every time I lifted off, it was like, oh, just being released from the burdens of this world. Yeah.
0: So here you are, you know, having the spiritual experience. And then, as you said, your body betrays you. It grounds you, grounds yeah. you on in the plane, as well as just from doing certain things. Yeah. How did you handle that? Were, I mean, I'll just ask you: Were you mad at
1: God? <laughs> um, well, first, my the first i I never got mad at God. I did. There were times when I was sad, for sure. I mean, I remember driving home from work one day. I don't even know how I I. Made it to, to work every day, but somehow I did, and and it was a it was well into my wellness journey, you know, two two and a half years or so, and I knew I would never fly again. But I was feeling rather asymptomatic at the time, you know, um, was doing much better, and I, but my eyes never left the sky. Like I would, I was, I remember driving, but I would always see the air traffic, you know, that was where my eyes always wanted to go, mm-hmm. and I just started crying, and I said, okay, you know, God, I know that this was what I was supposed to give up. And it was the biggest dream I could have possibly dreamed. So I know you have something bigger. I know you have something better. And, you know, like I'm sobbing as I'm saying this, and I'm, <laughs> you know, just, it was just a constant surrender. So, mm-hmm. and I had to, like, I there was nothing I could do. Um, there were, so, but but before that, before the complete, like, I know God has something better. Can't imagine what it could be. Right. And I know we had to have to be to ground me that um, before that it was strictly survival. How do I survive this and how do I get well? Because mm-hmm. at 30, I was not willing to spend. I It just didn't even enter my mind. I was not willing to spend the rest of my life sick. It didn't. It wasn't a possibility. Mm. Just couldn't even imagine that. So my whole focus was how do I get well? And I studied. I read. I did everything everything i could and i did some crazy stuff to get well but that was what god called me to do and it was the one time during that illness that i've actually heard the audible voice of god and and when you're as sick as i mean there were many nights i wasn't sure i'd wake up the next morning i really you know i kind of went through the whole death and dying space because i mean all those levels and and um because I wasn't sure I would survive this thing. And, and, um, so that in, in that complete space of surrender, like God, you can take me now. Um, I, it was just every day was a day of surrender. And so I was never mad. I know that's part of the death and dying, you know, those, one of those levels is, you know, denial and then, then anger. But I swear I turned that into seeking, the wellness piece, you know, and mm-hmm. when you, so when you're sick as I was, that veil is lifted just a little bit. We see a little bit more of God than we saw when we were just going hundred miles an hour. He is closer to us then, or maybe we draw closer to him, but I had so many um, experiences with him being so very close that I was, the mad thing just didn't set in. Like I just felt his constant love his constant care over me. And I knew he was, you know, this close. I just knew he was so very close. Wow. That's
0: an, an amazing experience. And while I don't wish illness on anyone or the sickness, um, you mentioned the veil, you know, mm. and, and as you said, you know, we get closer. I have not been, I'm, you know, I've had the flu, obviously, but I have not been that sick before. Um, but I will say this. Um, so my mother passed away it's been quite a while now um she she was a nurse for the terminally ill mm. and she would often talk about uh the fact that we have we have a lot of control over when we go she she always believed that and some people try to stay for lots of reasons and she would when they were in pain and suffering she would she would say it's okay you can let go. So at the end of her life when we were in the room and she was kind of going in and out of consciousness I I arrived because I was out of town and um and she did she did not say anything you know um stupendous as far as like anything that she was seeing perhaps but she said you know I she says why are you crying you know I'm not afraid to die. Mm-hmm. And I think that When you're, and I don't know how close to death you were, but I think that when we are close to death, there is a softening of the edges between, I think this world and the next. But it wasn't your time yet. Let's be be clear. Let's be clear. It wasn't your time yet. (laughs) Um, But that's a, that's a beautiful part of it. You know, when when it is our time, you know, when and it's gonna be our time at some point because everyone does die. But it wasn't your time yet, and you began to, uh, well, to look, to seek that healing, as you said, Um, and you've written a book, Life After Lupus, What's Your Autoimmune Name? A Journey of Healing. Um, So let's talk a little bit about when you kind of went into seeker mode and how that evolved for you into the book.
1: Um. Can you reframe that? I'm. I want to make sure I answer you correctly. Sure.
0: Um, so once you went, once you decided that you know you, you were not this this disease was not going to have a hold on you forever, and you said, "I am seeking healing now." Let's talk a little bit about that evolution and, and how that took you to the
1: book. Sure. So um, little by little, it, the it's it's interesting that the healing that took place was over a 3 year period of time and there were many uh well you know months that turned into years that i knew i knew in my heart and the people around me weren't necessarily for the type of healing i was seeking they wanted me to see doctors you know my my family my my parents would have want wanted me to stay sort of in the, in the medical realm, mm-hmm. but I couldn't because, um, I was allergic to every, that was one of my huge symptoms. I was allergic to every med they tried to give me and even the, the community, the the aviation community I was in suggested that I see a naturopathic physician. Well about 30 years ago that wasn't necessarily an easy thing to find, but living in the Denver area, Boulder wasn't too far away and I did seek out a naturopathic physician who served me really well for about 90 days and then I found um, by God's it was his he he put every single thing in place exactly when I needed it, never before, only when I needed it and I found the doctor then that I I worked with, and he was a regular medical doctor. Interestingly, he had a little apothecary in his office that had high-grade medical-grade supplements, which was the only thing I could take, and I did, and I took lots of them. And every, you know, the, the healing took place very slowly. I always say it was like one cell at a time, mm. but I also knew that God was in that healing space for me, and he gave me several um, images or, um, oh, gee, the, the word escapes me. They weren't dreams, but like visions that I was supposed to meditate on. And one of them was in the in the darkness, Jesus standing with his white robe and the light shining on, you know, so is Jesus in this white robe and his arms out. And I would just imagine that that healing, his healing power was flowing through me from head to toe. And he just gave me all these. I had another one where it was we read about the 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 sparkling healing waters in heaven. You know that they're they are healing, and I imagine just those waters flowing through my body and healing me. And so I had a lot of meditative experiences like that that were completely God based that I can only attribute to him. There was one i one I had of um, back then. There was Pac Man. <laughs> I don't know if you remember the pack, sure. and I—I I don't know that I ever really played it, but I imagined I had such trouble with my stomach, and I imagined that there were all these little Pac-Man shooting off the—the the, I had a—I um, had a—it's called Blastocystis hominis. It was a bug in my gut. And I would just imagine them killing this, you know, this, uh, this bug, if you will. So I had all these different visions that I would uh, meditate on. Mm -hmm. And I can, like I said, I can, I only knew that they were from God. Like that's what was God given to me. And I spent a lot of time uh, reading great books. Um, One of them, I'm sorry, this is late at night and I, my mind is... Not 100 there. I understand. But it was it was done by a, a written by a a famous cancer doctor, Doctor Bernie Siegel, who was a regular cancer doctor, and he was he was an amazing doctor. And he would ask his patients to draw for them what this surgery was going to look like. And if he saw them draw with certain colors and in certain ways, he would not do it. He he knew that it would be more detrimental, and he would look at another type of of um, Treatment for that particular person. And interestingly, like he would send people home saying, get your affairs in order. And five years later, he would see them and he would ask what they did. And often it was going to some peaceful place. Often it was to the beach. Well, I wanted to spend my last weeks at the beach, just rocking in a rocking chair, you know, on a beach house. And, and they survived because they took on this peaceful mantra, you know, this peaceful healing Mm -hmm. that God does intend for, um, his people. Now I'm not saying he heals in every case because sometimes his intention is to call them back to him. But, um, I read things that, that drew me closer, you know, to God and his ability to heal Mm -hmm. and just soaked in that, you know, for those three years, but it was a very slow process for me. He could have reached down and healed me at any moment in time. And I could have had a quick healing, but I needed to heal body and mind and spirit. And he took the time to do that. So as that process was happening, again, just so very slow to the human eye, Um, but I knew it was happening. I One of my, my relatives, uh, my niece said, Andrew, you've got to write this in a book. You know, you've got to tell people about how you healed. And so I did that. Many, many years later, I, I outlined every single thing that I did to get well, including those visions, including every miracle that God did during that time, because I wanted people, other people to have some hope that, you know, healing is possible in God's kingdom. I mean, he is the master healer. And so, again, wanted to share that so other people could receive, you know, some of that hope that I had while I was very, very sick.
0: Come back next week to hear the rest of Andrea Lindy's amazing story. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy. Go to PositivelyJoy.com to hear previous episodes and to learn more about our ministry and books. Support Positively Joy by becoming a Patreon member and sign up for our newsletter. Thanks to Mars Coleman for the use of his song, The Joy of Knowing. And thanks to Susan Marie for editing and production of the podcast. Till next week. Oh, the joy of knowing the joy of knowing you oh, the joy of-